the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The title of the message today is Don't Waste Your Life. Don't Waste Your Life. Some of you may have seen the bumper sticker which says, Life is too precious to waste. So the question is, how do you avoid wasting your life? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17, Be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul says, be careful how you live. The opposite of careful is careless. So he's saying, don't be careless. A literal translation of the Greek would be, don't stumble through life. Don't just drift through life. Think it through. Know what you are here for. Know your purpose. And Paul goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. Try to understand what God wants you to do. There are three important questions that I want us to look at today. And the first question is, what does God want from my life? What does God want from my life? When I read the Bible, there is no mistaking the answer to this question, what does God want from my life? God wants my entire life. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says you can be a Christian and live your life any way you want to. God doesn't want 10% of you. He doesn't want 50% of you. He doesn't want 99% of you. He wants all of you. God is very clear about this. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verse um, 13. Give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. The words completely and whole body indicate that God wants all of you and all of me. The British author C.S. Lewis once said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Now, if that is true, then it deserves everything that you have got if you're going to be a Christian. If it is not true, then you shouldn't be here today listening to this message. God requires all or nothing. There are a lot of people who try to sit on the fence. 
They give God the bare minimum of their lives. They go to church when it is convenient. They read the Bible and pray when it is convenient. They put an offering in the collection plate when they feel like it. And they never volunteer to serve in a ministry uh, in the church. And they are the first to say, I don't know what God wants me to do. But God is clear about what he wants from us. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires you to fear him, to live according to his will, to love and worship him with all your heart and soul. There's nothing in this text which suggests that we can serve God in our spare time. Some of us view our life like a pie, divided into several pieces. So I have my social life, I have my career life, I have my family life, I have my retirement life, and I have my spiritual life, as if our spiritual life is one part of the pie. Wrong. God wants the whole pie to be under his control. He doesn't want 10% of your life. He wants it all. He wants our whole being. Now, there is a myth that says you can do it all, you can have it all, but you can't. You have to give it all to God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, uh, Jesus, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is saying that it's impossible to have two number one priorities in your life. You'll have a number one and everything else is going to be number two, three, four, five, and so on. But there are a lot of things besides money that can push God out of first place in our life. Work can push God out of first place. Sports, hobbies can push God out of first place in your life. Dating can push God out of first place. Even your family can push God out of first place in your life. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, you can't serve God and something else at the same time. So the question here is, what's going to be first place in your life and in my life? Is the number one goal in our life building our career? Is it raising our family? Is it saving for retirement? Is it maintaining our good health? You see, all of these things are good. God approves of every one of these things, except in first place. God says, you will have no other gods before me. And whatever is in first place in your life is your God. And anything you, anytime you have something in your life, that's number one, that is not God, that is called an idol. 
And God says, that's wrong. He says, I want to be number one in your life before everything else, and I will bring it all back into focus in the right way. One time Jesus told the story about, uh, about this. Actually, it wasn't really a story. It was an event that happened uh, in his life. He was walking down the streets of Jerusalem, and a man uh, walked up to him, and Jesus said, follow me. And the man said, okay, I will follow you, but Lord, let me first go and take care of some, some business. Now, that little phrase, Lord, let me first, is a contradiction. You can't say Lord and me first at the same time. If you are saying me first, he is not your Lord. He is not in charge. He is not number one. So you have to decide who is going to be the Lord of your life, you or God. Is it going to be God first or me first? Let me ask you a a question. Where are you saying to God, me first? Where are you saying, God, I live for you, but let me first find somebody to marry? Or God, I'll live for you, but let me first finish my education. Or God, I really want to uh, serve you, but let me first get the kids out of the home. God, I really, uh, I'm really going to be on fire for you, but let me first achieve financial independence. Let me first pay off the mortgage. Let me first build my career. And God says, if I'm not first, none of these things uh, is going to be in the right perspective. Now, Jesus told a story of a great feast to be found in Luke chapter 14, 16 through 20. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready... He sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. But they all began making excuses. One said he had just bought a field and wanted to inspect it, so he asked to be excused. Another said he had just bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. Another had just been married So he said he couldn't come. Now think about this. These three guys are invited to a banquet by the king, a great honor. And all of them turn down the invitation. The first guy uses his wealth as an excuse. The second uses his work as an excuse. And the third guy uses his wife as an excuse. So here is my question to you. What excuses are you giving to God for putting yourself first? Let me first do this and I will be all yours, you may be saying. Let me let you in a secret. If you would put God first in your life, he'll take care of everything else. And I'm a good example of that. Sixty years ago, I decided I would put God first. 
and he gave me everything I have ever wanted and more. Because the, the verse that made an impression on me that I took literally is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. But notice it. Seek first his kingdom. Not what we want to do, but what God uh, wants us to do. See, God is a good God, a faithful God, a promise-keeping God. And the first question of life is, what does God want from my life? He wants all of you. And any time you sit on the fence, you lose. But the second question is, what does it take? What does it take to not waste my life? What does it take to become all that God wants me to be? What does it take to develop myself to my fullest potential? Well, it can be answered in one word, a word we don't particularly like, and it is the word discipline. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ without discipline. So what is discipline? Discipline is delayed gratification. Discipline is doing the difficult things now in order to enjoy the benefits later. Every successful student, every successful athlete, every successful corporate executive, or anyone who makes it to the top of the ladder in any area understands the meaning of discipline. You don't get anywhere in life without discipline, delayed gratification. All of us are disciplined in some areas. The things that are important to you always get done. You do them. Some of you wouldn't think of missing your favorite uh, television program or uh, missing a game of your favorite sports team. Some of you are very disciplined in your physical workouts. You get up early and go jogging or you do daily exercises because you want to be fit physically. But what if you, let's um, look at what Paul has to say about this in First Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. So what if you were as disciplined in having your daily appointment with God as you are in never missing a meal? What if you were as disciplined in serving others as you are in getting up and going to work? What if you were as disciplined in attending church as you are in watching your favorite television program? So there's another word for discipline, and it is the word habits. It is what you do over and over and over without even thinking. It's a, it's, if it's a habit, it's a part of your life, and your whole life is designed, 
shaped, controlled, and developed by your habits. And if you want to change your life, all you have to do is to change your habits. And so we need to develop habits that will enable us to connect with God on a daily basis. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, which we just read, Paul says, using the Living Bible uh, paraphrase, it says, spend your time and energy in the exercise of, keep, of keeping spiritually fit. There are exercises we can do that will keep us spiritually fit. We can spend time with God on a daily basis, uh, talking to him, praying, uh, reading the scriptures, memorizing scripture. All of these are exercises or habits that will help us uh, to connect with God and to keep him uh, in the right place in our lives. But there are also exercises we can do that will keep us physically fit. And one is what is called the discipline of letting go. That means you let go of things because you can't keep adding things to your schedule without letting go of something else. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, and verse 1 uh, says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You see, there are two things that hold us back, according to Hebrews. Two things that limit our potential, that waste our life, according to the text. One of them is sin, and the other is weights. So we all know what sin is. It is breaking the commandments of God, doing the things we know we ought not to do, and um, failing to do what we know we ought to do. But what is a weight? Well, a weight is something that is not necessarily wrong. It's just not necessary. A weight can be all kinds of things. It could be a relationship. It could be an expectation. It could be an activity. It could be a memory that we refuse to let go of. It could be fear. It could even be a job. There are a thousand different kinds of weights. And the Bible says, to grow, you must learn to say no to some things. You can't say yes to everything. You have to say no to some things. You have to say no um, often to good things in order to have time for the best things. And one of the reasons we have a hard time letting go of our activities is we tie our identity to them. But if you are serious about fulfilling your purpose in life and have to, you have to make space for God in your life. And if you are going to make space for God in your life, you are going to have to cut some stuff out because you can't be doing everything and still have time for God. Many of you have 
too much going on in your life. With the result that you have little or no time left for God. Your devotional life becomes almost non-existent. Prayer is reserved for emergency situations. And reading the Bible is eliminated altogether from your schedule, except perhaps when you are in, in church and reading my outline. There's always a cost to putting God first in your schedule, but the rewards are worth it. The best use of your life is to invest it in that which will outlast it. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse, and verse 13, Paul says, God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. Willing and able. He gives us the desire and then he gives us the willpower to do what we need to do. So what does God want? He wants all of you, every part of you. What is it going to take to grow spiritually? It's going to take discipline, developing the proper habits so that you will be able to do what you need to do to maintain your spiritual life. But the third question is, why should I do it? Why should I do it? Why should I make the effort to grow spiritually if I'm a believer? Why should I let go of something to make time for God in my life? Because of the cross. Jesus gave his life for us and he expects our life in return. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus gave his life for every one of us here today. And we who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ now can enjoy the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. We couldn't celebrate a one day of purpose in our lives except for the fact that Jesus chose to leave heaven and come down to earth to give us or to give his life for us. He didn't have to do that. He did because he loves us. He did because he wants us to enjoy his purpose in our lives, or his purposes in our lives. It caused Jesus to die for us, and it's going to cause us to live for him. And this is something which a lot of people don't seem to like. They like um, uh, to think of Christianity as just something free that they can, they can accept and do as they please. But that's not the way it is. When you accept Jesus Christ and you commit yourself to him, you are making a lifetime commitment uh, to serving him. You see, we would have no destiny if it weren't for the cross and we owe Jesus our life. Our eternal destiny matters to God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian Christians, says to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 from the message paraphrase, We beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has 
given us. Only one life, it will soon be over. And only what is done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter. So our spiritual life is of tremendous importance. Let me close by reminding you of how blessed we are as believers. One of, one of um, our deacons, Deacon John O'Neill, whenever I greet him, he always says, we are blessed. I'm sure that many of you have heard him say that. And we are indeed blessed as the children of God. You see, if we are able to see with our eyes, smell with our nose, taste with our tongue, hear with our ears, think with our minds, and breathe with our lungs, then we are blessed indeed. If God has forgiven us of our confessed sins, then we have been blessed. If God has brought comfort to our heart, then we have been blessed. If God has healed us when we were sick, we have been blessed. If God has ever protected us in times of danger, we have been blessed. If God has ever inspired us when facing a challenge, we have been blessed. If God has ever lifted a burden from our shoulders, we have been blessed. If God has ever given uh, us genuine peace of mind, we have been blessed. If God has enriched our life with unspeakable joy, we have been blessed. If God has ever lifted us up when we were down, we have been blessed. If God has ever supplied our financial needs, we have been blessed. And if God has ever answered any of our earnest prayers, we have been blessed. And if you have been blessed, my brothers and sisters, then give your best to the master. Give him first place in your, in your heart. Give him first place in your service. Give him the best that you have. And watch the blessings that will flow into your life. Amen. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.